a musical adventure. New artists, new musicians, and everyone involved in the world of music. Live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is J-Rod Concerts the Podcast with your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Let's find out what we have this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast from a very snowy Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we wrapped up the incredible 38 Songwriters Music Festival earlier this week and um, came back home to Nashville in time, kind of to hunker down for a couple of days of snow. The city's kind of shut down, but um, but it's given us time to reminisce on what was a really special time at 38 Songwriters Music Festival. So before we get to tonight's legendary guest that we had there um, at the festival, I'd want to um, really say thank you to Jennifer Lynn Steele, Russell Carter, and the Cultural Arts Alliance um, of Walton County for supporting us and having us over once again. Uh, it really was a treat and a delight to kickstart the year with this beautiful, beautiful festival. So thank you guys. Now, today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, the second to last from 38, features a legend, someone I've looked up to for many years, Mary Gauthier, ladies and gentlemen, along uh, with Jamie Harris, who is a rising star in the Americana world and also her partner. And uh, Mary, I mean, she's a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter, of course, and author. Her songs have been covered by people like Tim McGraw, Blake Shelton, Kathy Matea, Boy George the late Jimmy Buffett, and so many more. Um, she released an incredible book late last year called Saved by a Song that deals all with her incredible story about addiction and overcoming stuff and recovery and growing. And it's just an inspiring read, and I recommend everyone read it. And this was a great chat. We were honored to have Mary on, and we had a great talk along with uh, Jamie as well about everything from the Tennessee politics and human rights to writing a book versus writing a song and passing your wisdom to other generations through teaching. So it was a really, really important and uh, fulfilling conversation. So thank you, Mary. Thank you, Jamie, for your time. And uh, enjoy the chat from Mary with Mary Gauthier and Jamie Harris from 30A Songwriters Festival. Mary. Hi. Welcome to 30 Days on Radio Festival. Hey, here we are again. And Jamie, it's so great to, to meet you in person. Thank you, same Jamie. You know, you're such a big influence on Mary and, and on all her story that it's like meeting you in the flesh. I'm almost like starstruck, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's great to have you guys here, Mary. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you. And uh, obviously, your great book, Saved by a Song, is out now. Yes. And uh, let's let's start with that. How, how has the, I, I mean, I know the reception has been incredible, critically acclaimed. But writing a book, Mary, did that change in any way the way you write a song? Because I know it's it's got to be a different kind of process. It's a much more lengthy process, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It's long form. Books mm -hmm. are long form. So uh, it takes years to write a book, really. Uh, and I really uh, always saw myself as an author, but I hadn't written a book. Mm. So finally, uh, I had this opportunity to write a book and became an actual author. But I'm a real reader. Uh, my house is, you can ask Jamie, it's just filled with books everywhere. Since I was a child, I've devoured books. I love to read. I love words. I love language. And um, 
So becoming an author just felt like something I was going to do. I just didn't know when or how. And the opportunity came through uh, being approached by a publisher to do it. Sure. And as soon as somebody's going to pay me to do it, now it's going to be a job that I'm going to do. Yeah. And so we did a contract, and then I wrote a book. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. By the way, Mary, I saw you last night, and every time I see you, whether it's our Americana Fest or wherever I see you just now, not only do you look great, but your energy is phenomenal. Thank you. And obviously you talk in the book about sobriety and all that, but I think it's more than that. I think it's spiritual. And you're correct. How do you nourish, because I feel it, and I'm feeling it right now. How do you nourish that kind of energetic and inside peace that you, that you have? Well, I think of recovery, I'm in recovery from addiction. My uh, sobriety date's July 13th, 1990. Yeah. So I'm 33 years sober. And Jamie's going to be 10 years sober next month. So for me, recovery is a, a verb. It means it's, you have to be active in it. So I don't think of recovery as not drinking. I think of it as not drinking and doing work to improve uh, w w what needs improving so that I can continue to grow. Sure. And there's a lot of things in me that will always need improving. Yeah. This is the human condition. Sure. And so I do the work and I'm, I'm surrounded by support and people help me with what it is that I need to be working on. We do uh, quite a bit of 12-step uh, meetings. Mm -hmm. um, my life is based in, in uh, the, I guess, would, would, it, would it be fair to say we believe in transformation? Yeah, alchemy. Alchemy. Yeah, we, we, we take difficult things and turn them into opportunities to grow. Well, that's what they are, yeah. but we recognize it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we are always trying to, to work through stuff. And at a certain point, it's cumulative. Mm. Like, uh, it's light. It's like taking heavy things and throwing them out the window. It, it just gets lighter. Like you were, what you're noticing is me at 60, I'll be 63 in March. Mm -hmm. This is the lightest I've ever been wow. as, as a spirit. I don't have this weight. Everything's not in a minor key anymore. You know, I've, I've lightened through, through the work that I've done. I've lightened the burden that I carry. I which can feel that. It is From real. Yeah. As well. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a, uh, uh, sort of, a uh, what would I call it? A, a, a decrease in sorrow, and yeah. but yet there's always going to be, like now that I'm this old, people are dying, so maybe I'm not dealing with all of the the issues that turned me into an addict in the first place. But now I got to deal with people I love so much getting older, getting sick, sure, uh, and dying, and like oh no, this this is happening now. People, yeah. like we. The last time we saw David Olney was at this festival. Our dear friend, the great American songwriter, died at this festival. I had a heart attack. You know, last time we saw our friend, my friend, John Prine, was at this festival. Mm. That's the last time we saw him play, and that's the last time we saw him. Yeah. And that's real. So there's, no matter what, always going to be challenges. But I, I find that doing the work has been very helpful for me in that I, I, I have a way of doing it in an environment that supports me doing it. That is recovery. Mm -hmm. It seems like you're very, and, and you as well, Jamie, like you guys are very conscious of, of, of being present, just from your answer, and of gratitude in the now. Yes. Would that be accurate? Yes. I mean, we meditate. Sure. 
Uh, we go places that are uh, healthy healing places. There's a we went to this ranch in in Tecate, Mexico, Baja California, Mexico, uh, and the, the 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 whole experience of being there was supportive uh, of of health and healing and and growth. Yeah. So this is the kind of things we choose to do with our free time in yeah. a way, because that's what we we want to do, Absolutely. and it makes me a better person, which makes me a better writer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Mary. Um, obviously, you talk in the book and obviously about, you know, uh, being gay, the South in Louisiana, growing up and all that. How do you see Nashville today and Tennessee? And, and, and for you as well, Jamie, because I feel like in some ways the city is growing up into like a bigger city, right? And, and, and you see like big restaurants and big buildings, but in some social issues, sometimes it's, it has some trouble. Uh, you know, you've always been very outspoken. How do, how do you see this, the growth of Nashville? Like as far as like minority rights and, and, and all that good stuff. And feel free to chip in as well, Jamie. Did you want to take that or you want me to try? Why don't you go for I mean, there, it's a big conversation. And yeah. it's, you know, we we're just having a conversation with a friend at lunch about looking at it. Like one of the things that's empowering about Nashville changing. And I've only been in Nashville for a little over five years. Um, and I think there's some exciting things going on there politically. And I love the opportunity to get involved with those things. Yeah. Um, you know, we got to keep the hope alive, um, you know, but I think it's hard, you know, I, where we can make change is definitely in our communities, in our neighborhood, in our city. And hopefully that spreads to the state. But there's so much going on that we see um, as we travel the country and as we travel the world that's challenging, um, that it feels more connected. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it feels more like Nashville is a piece um, Nashville's growing, but a lot of cities are growing. A lot of cities are changing. A lot of states are being gerrymandered. There's just so many issues that we're facing as a country um, that we're going to have to deal with in our own communities right. in order to create a positive change. It's a paradox in a way, I guess. Do you read some? Yeah, I think Nashville's become so much more diverse in the last decade. Uh, and I feel like, uh, my goodness, just look at who plays the Opry now. No, I was, I'm the first gay person to play the Opry, yeah. which is, of course, not true. I'm the first openly gay person to play the Opry. The first gay person that um, wasn't having to, uh, to, to keep it quiet. But we didn't show up on the stage with a rainbow flag and a parade. We just got up there and played. Yeah. It's just that I, when I got to Nashville, made a decision. It wasn't even a decision that I'm, I'm not going to be in the closet. So I got a record deal on a major label in 2001 as an openly gay woman. It was a no big deal for me, but it was a big deal for Nashville in a way because it hadn't been done before. And I knew gay people on the label before I signed to the label, but they weren't in the uh, position to be out. I wasn't going for country radio ever, so I was free uh, in that way uh, because I knew that that was, wasn't, well, first of all, uh, w where I belonged, but second of all, it wasn't what I wanted. I never, I never wanted that. I'm a, I'm a folk singer, Americana singer. I like playing small rooms to listening crowds, like last night at the rep. You know, it was just yeah. perfect, right? Perfect. Little 125 bo seat box theater, everybody there, nobody drunk, nobody rowdy, everybody paying attention, listening to the words, and the relationship between what we do and the people's experience is very intimate. Shit, that's all I've ever wanted. And so, um. You know, the, 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 the truth is, is that, is that uh, as Nashville has, has grown and changed, um, the communities that we find ourselves in are way more diverse. And the Opry is 
I mean, they invited Amy Ray from the Indigo Girls. Right. There, there's this long list. Adim the artist, um, tra tra trans uh, artist. The Opry has really expanded uh, who, they, who gets to play. Uh, and the town, um, I mean, there was a huge event at Bridgestone Arena in support of the, that's right, our great friend Allison Russell uh, is, uh, is, is the, is the uh, fearless leader of love. And so um, I think it's cool what's happening in Nashville. Now, our legislature is just, it's just a catastrophe. <laughs> It's a catastrophe. It, it's so bad. But come on, Justin Jones. I mean, he's got a huge political future. Justin Pearson. Yeah. And Gloria as well. Gloria Johnson. Yeah. We're there. We're going to yeah. be with. We're on. We're on Team Gloria. You know, she 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 has she has uh, the musician a huge support with with uh, the artists that we run with, and we're going to do everything we can. So I have a lot of hope. But Nashville is not Tennessee, you know. Nashville is is um, is a, a blue blue city in a very red state. But but I have, I feel its expansion. Yeah. And I love it. You know, it's great. It, it, it's much more metropolitan. Yeah. Listen, you have a busy schedule, and I think you guys are gonna play a song for us. So let, let's let me, do it. Let me leave you with this, Mary. Uh, you started teaching songwriting classes through Zoom. Yeah, I've been teaching around the world for many years, but then with the pandemic, we all learned about Zoom. and realized, wait a minute, I can teach on Zoom and people who don't have the money to fly to Nashville, get a hotel, get a rental car. You love it, right? I love it. Why do you like it? Because people actually learn. Yeah. Songwriters get better. I watch it in real time when they get it and, and they understand a concept I'm showing them and their writing goes from here to here. So you like kind of passing your wisdom a little bit? The wisdom that's been passed to me, it, it's a tradition. We hand it down and through. And Look at you, long still passing it over. We love it. And Jamie and I teach together a lot. Jamie just taught a workshop in uh, uh, Wimberley, Texas, just a couple of days ago. Yeah. We don't even think of it as teaching a as much as encouraging. We're encouraging uh, songwriters to write songs. The, the big question, and it's hard for so many, is how do I monetize this? Yeah. And we don't even approach that. It's like that's a different that's a business class yeah. what we want you to do is to become the kind of writer that you have the potential to be i don't know how to tell you how to monetize that and that's a much more challenging question yeah. but there's something that happens back to spiritually there's something that happens internally that will grow you when you become a better writer because you become more self-aware yeah cool well guys what an honor if you guys want to take us away with a song thank you that'll be a wonderful Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, this is a brand new song. I wrote this with Vince Gill. Uh, the uh, idea came from Vince, uh, and, and he, he brought this to me. He said he played a show with the great Mavis Staples, and Mavis said, Vince, Vince, as they were walking off stage, we've seen some times, Vince. Haven't we seen some times? And Vince said, you know, that's a good idea, right, Mary? Some times. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Anything from Mavis, yes. We love Mavis. And then Vince said, you know, I don't know why, but I think there's a place in this idea for the Orange Blossom Special. Now, I knew the Orange Blossom Special was a train, but I didn't know anything about it, really. And so I said, Vince, I, I, you know, yes, but I don't know what the Orange Blossom Special is. And he said, you know, I don't either, really, but I just have this hunch about it. So I said, well, let's figure it out. Let's see what the Orange Blossom Special is. 
And as I looked it up, I realized, wow, this train was a luxury high-speed train that went from Manhattan to Miami. And it serviced uh, uh, really high-end clientele, and it was a fabulous ride. I wish it still was rolling. It went away in the 50s with the advent of highways in America and jet travel. But this train was spectacular. The dining car was white linen, fine china, and silver. The waiters wore tuxedos. There was an air of, uh, of, of luxury in everything about the train, and it was incredible. And I found a picture of a waiter in the dining car. And as we started working on the song, that guy started talking to me. And what I saw in him, and Ben saw it too, was this dignity of his job. This job was a union job. It was a good paying job. He could take care of his family on this job. There was pride in it. I worked the Orange Blossom Special, 48 to 54. Manhattan to Miami, I worked in the dining car. Till Eisenhower built the interstates And jetliners sailed the skies And luxury trains were shuttered And the railroads up and died Sometimes, sometimes I have seen Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I have seen sometimes they shot JFK and Bobby and Martin Luther King. These days guns are everywhere, Lord, they shooting everything. I saw my first black president, made me so proud I cried. I saw the insurrection. I can't say I was surprised Sometimes, sometimes I have seen Sometimes, sometimes Sometimes I have seen Sometimes I am an old man now, my life is almost done. But in my heart I do believe we shall overcome. So I pray for this world of sorrow, for a better tomorrow, that we might get there without a loaded gun. of 60 years died seven years ago when I dream about her in my dreams we are not old if you see a locomotive 
rolling down the line would you stop and think about us if you hear a whistle whine sometimes sometimes I have seen sometimes 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 I have seen Sometimes Thank you so much for that and thank you for your time. Thank you, Jamie. Absolutely. Hi everybody, thanks for watching. Subscribe here for the latest from the show. Also be sure to check out more of the best clips from J-Rod Concerts Media. You have been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in.